Welcome to the Self Starter Show. I'm your host, Steve Clare, and on this show, you're gonna be hearing from entrepreneurs. You're gonna hear about their wins that got them where they are, their losses, and everything in between, as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way. Along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life, success, and empathy sprinkled in for you, the listener. Like chapters of a great book, each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code to success and happiness. All right, we're here, and I'm happy to have my first female guest. Um, I'm here with Jess Sorrentino, a good friend of mine. She is an entrepreneur, uh, business owner. Um, let's see, how else can I describe Jess? Um, she's a woman of the world. Jess, happy to have you here. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I feel we're like looking at the mic as we talk. I know. <laughs> um, let's just dive right into it. Uh, Jess, where are you right now? Not like physically in the office, but like, what are you doing work-wise? And we're going to get into pretty much how you got here and, you know, all the juice in between. But where are you right now? Tell me about your main business. All right. So... Um, right now we're in Manhattan and my ba main business takes place here um, in California, but also just anywhere. And what we're really working on now is strategizing and building content plans for individuals, entrepreneurs and brands um, who really want to bring that passion back into their businesses and their social media presences um, and scale from a place of authenticity, relatability and just creative, great content. Are most of the people who are coming to you people who have hired someone in the past, or is are most people first time, um, first time looking for a marketing specialist? And is marketing specialist the right terminology? Yeah, we can use that. That's totally fine. Um, it's there's really three different types of people who are coming to me. The first person is exactly what you just described. It's the person who has worked with somebody in the past, maybe had somebody running their marketing for them, and now they're ready to put their personality back into their brands with the way that the internet has evolved marketing, the more raw and personable a brand can be, the more community and loyalty they'll build, which then converts quicker into sales and recurring customers. So people will come taking their control back to their accounts and therefore need assistance, advisory, and a blueprint on how to go about that. Second type of person is somebody who's used to having their accounts run. Maybe they're a more high profile person. They've got a full team behind them and they've sort of lost sight of what they stand for. Maybe they're taking sponsorships that don't necessarily align with them anymore just because it, they're being offered it. So it's coming back to that strategic standpoint. What do they stand for? Who they want to reach, etc. cetera. Um, and the third is somebody who just cares about their personal brand and maybe they have a separate account from their business themselves, but they know they want to represent their business, be the face of their business, and really build up their personal digital net worth, if you will, um, to drive sales to their business and to their own credibility. Would, um, would all three of these type of people have the same price point that you deliver to them? Yeah, the price point really ranges based on the amount of prep you need me to work with you on if you're working on a growth content strategy that's going to be a minimum of like four posts per week on more than one channel so that's going to take me a little bit more work to help you build and to help you succeed in 
than a presence-based strategy, which is, you know, one channel, a few posts a week, just sort of building that like foundation, that awareness. And so. when you're talking about posts, you're talking about like story posts, you're talking about live posts, a live post, a grid post, are you talking about just Instagram, Facebook, or are you talking about the whole gambit of social media? Oh, we get to pick with what you're comfortable with. So my favorite thing that I do is really target your strategy to your strengths. So if you're someone who's not comfortable with video or being the face of your brand, the first thing I'm going to do is decide not to put you on TikTok. If you're somebody who is, you know, selling a product that is a little bit more difficult to explain, maybe, um, you might need more. Give me an example. Do you feel comfortable mentioning Let's... any past clients? Is that a, is that a gray area? No, that's totally fine. Let's say you're trying to sell um, a dog towel, a dog towel, if you will. That's a little bit more difficult, especially if it's on the boutique space. Um, you know, you might want to consider consider a wholesale sales plan. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to go direct to consumer being just, you know, photo based isn't really going to work for you. You need to be doing promotions. You need to be reaching out and doing collaborations and videos of what makes it so successful and different than your competitors um so you kind of need a multi-channel approach there and you need a mixture of a lot of different types of content now i want to i want to know like how you started in this field like what was the the driving force you know after college what were you doing but first i want to know with everything that you are doing what are your pain points? It sounds like with everyone you're working with, it could get it could get uh, draining or, um, you know, I, I know that you pivoted because you had a lot on your plate that just seemed unnecessary. Mm -hmm. So what are your current pain points? Uh, boundaries are a big pain point when you're working in the service industry for an industry that doesn't turn off. Um, the internet is available 24 seven, obviously, and people's strategies and the fact that I work internationally takes them, takes me around the clock. Um, so making sure that my calendar is padded to both serve my clients and also my personal time is really important. Um, and now I do more of an application process for potential clients versus just a consultation because I need to know and see that we're going to be the right fit, not too much hand-holding, not too much um, out-of-scope work. I never mind going out-of-scope if the project requires it mm -hmm. or if it's like a really exciting thing and everything. And so I'm trying really hard to, you know, pad my calendar with things that are very exciting for me. Um, so more like strict applications, more strict timelines, um, and just being very, very clear on the scopes <laughs> from the start. And um, do you see any, do any clients treat you differently than others? Like, is there, a, you know, some client might teach you this, might treat you a certain way because of your age and they're older or because you're, you're a female and they're a male, so they speak to you differently. Are there any, I was about to say hiccups. Are there any, like, it's not even a hiccup. That's, uh, I'll stick with pain points. Are there any pain points that come from that area? Uh, yeah, I've actually had the both the age and the gender thing happen before. Um, and it's a little bit annoying to say the least, but what is more frustrating is the 
lack of education on the industry itself and the concept, you know, people hire someone for help with social media and they just assume it's like, well, post right now, just do it. Like, and honestly, the reason they're hiring me in the first place is because that's what they were doing and it wasn't working. So transitioning to a strategy, transitioning to a goal place, goal based plan requires time it requires well, prep right and people don't understand and they don't get how much that. goes into it no so i get yelled at a lot i get yelled at yeah. or I was getting yelled at more but well know. the amount of people who have asked me you know do you have someone who could help manage my social media and the years ago i would you know try and help mm-hmm. i would you know, i've sent a couple people your way yep and just based on now the per- people who ask I then just have a conversation with them. Do you know what that entails? Right. And when you're asking for me to recommend somebody who does this, do you know how much that costs? Right. There's big firms that are worth tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars that have people with probably 60 to $100,000 a year salary that literally their job is just to run Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... I have a, a blog post or on my- social media altogether. Totally. I have a blog post on my website about this right now um, where I want to say it's called, don't quote me directly on this, but social media, the industry, and how we have transitioned into a world where social media is no longer a role. Do you have a link to this blog like on a link tree or something? I will put it in my Instagram bio okay. after this episode. Um but it's, you know, it's really about the concept that this is no longer a role, that there are multiple roles that need to be hired for a team. And to ask, you know, one person who will have overlap of skills in this department, but asking them to maintain all of it and manage all of it is just, first of all, it's cruel, but it's also unrealistic. You've got your strategists, which is what I focus on. You've got your content creators. You've got your videographers, you've got your copywriters, you've got your long form people. So email and blog, you've got, you've got so many different pieces, paid ads. And are these pieces, these are, these are independent contractors that you have under your belt? They are. Yeah. So not every account requires me to bring these people in, but if a client that I've strategized for then, you know, asks like, okay, now how do I bring this to life? Who do you recommend? I do have a list of creators and people that can be their next step. Um, But, you know, the biggest questions that I ask on my application process now are really like, do you know what your goals are? Like, what do you consider return on investment for social media? Because probably most of the time they're like, well, you're supposed to help me realize my goals. No, a lot. I I, honestly, I would hire that client in a second. But what they really love to say to Mm. me is like a lot of like counts. Like I want my accounts to go viral. I want this. I want that. And it's like Ah, the virality is real, though. The virality is real, but it should be a, you know, it should be like a cute little accident if you go viral. It shouldn't be what you're, you're basing your marketing plan on because when you go viral, that means it appealed to the masses. That's what it means to go viral. And for something maybe like a cosmetic, that works because many, many people can go to Sephora and buy it. But if you're selling something a little bit more niche, the masses does not help your direct algorithm, if you will into showing the apps who you're trying to target who you're trying to reach and like all these people that came to your page for your one viral post they may not stick around for the real content content that you've got going on a day-to-day basis because it's just not what they were looking for so you want that to happen in your niche so 
reaching the masses every once in a while is of course a really nice thing, but that shouldn't be your end game goal for when you're building a plan. And what's the most, so, so to mm-hmm. piggyback on that, <laughs> what is uh, the, rudest, the rudest thing a client has said to you when you were trying to help them and you couldn't, you just were honest with them and you couldn't deliver what they wanted. And it's not that you couldn't deliver it, it's just they were being unrealistic. Um, I think the rudest or more, I don't even want to call it rude because it wasn't delivered in a mean way, but the most like slap in the face to the job itself that I've heard has been like, well, that's just how we operate. Like, we're not going to use everything that we ask you to do. Like, we just need it anyway. And that, that stung. That was not an appropriate thing to say. (laughs) My jaw's on the floor. Wait, so, but (laughs) nonetheless, they're, they're paying for the work. Correct. But they're just saying, we're going to pay for this work. We're just not necessarily going to use it. For the most part, yeah. So I would build, for this particular client, I built them content plans surrounding specific events in their industry that then they would have creators go to the events. I would also go and oversee these events because it was a local place um, and really make sure the content was being captured in order to the content plan standard and like what the goal of that specific strategy was trying to deliver. Um, and it happened two times in a row where the content was delivered and they were like, "Mm, you know what? We changed our mind. We don't want to talk about this. Can you post this instead? And the content creators had spent a lot of time prepping for these two campaigns. And we therefore didn't have what they were looking for, for their quick turnaround pivot. And it came across as rushed. It came across as, you know, it wasn't like rooted in value or goal it looked like a cheesy sales pitch like do you think that's something that's like industry unfortunately industry standard yes and it's something i'm trying very very hard to talk about in my personal marketing Uh is about how like when you're rooted in your brand values versus what's urgently happening on the so you're saying more so to try and uh screen more to try and avoid that or just prep for it more so when it happens it doesn't have as much of a sting I think it's more so just really, really understanding why you're on social media and what you want to accomplish with it. Because when you do, you'll have even That's a those, key right there. Yeah, that's it. That's the biggest takeaway you can possibly have. It's like knowing why you're there, what you're trying to accomplish there. And once you know those things, you can constantly be producing content, whether it's for like now or later, that is rooted in the value of your brand and in the goal of the apps versus getting something up because it's time to post and you have a, you know, something that you're trying to sell out or get out into the world immediately. So you'll have specific campaigns, of course, you'll have things that go wrong, definitely. But when you're rooted in your values, it's much, much easier to make a pivot or to have a filler content that still fits into the brand story. And Well, you, uh, something you just said, you just said something, something going wrong. Could something go wrong be good in a sense yeah for sure like i feel like you know a lot of the time social media i'm like looking at the mic again Uh, a lot of the times (laughs) in social media you know you have people who are trying to get that perfect pose perfect this perfect that and they spend time making the production so perfect but the algorithms have shown that just getting content out there and even getting content that might not be as perfect might even be more valuable. 100%. And we have moved away from like the per- perfectly curated type of marketing 
though I will love to go on record and say that depending on your brand and your industry, just because we've shifted away from that doesn't mean you need to shift away from that. Like really know who you are, really know what you stand for, and then make your your visuals based off of that, based off of your standards. I am a perfectionist. I have a hard time letting things go. Um, but you know, it, those are big buzzwords in my branding is attention to detail, like everything else. So it would be very off brand for me to let something stay up with a typo on it. So, you know, whereas if somebody else is, it would look, it would be like, oh, wow, they're authentic. They're like, for me, that would be, mm, she's saying she has attention to detail and like, she doesn't know. But she spelled attention with one T. Right. There's two T's in attention, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So something like that. Yeah. And I mean, another example I can use myself for is I am not a fan of video content. I'm very comfortable in front of the camera, but I just, my, you know, I have built a great social media presence without doing reels or videos or anything because it's more authentic for me to... Even though they say... Yeah. Do reels. Yeah, you don't do have to. Reels, you have right? to do it. They're pushing out reels, you need to do with. reels. Yeah. And um, if you just stick with what you're comfortable with and with your what your consistency can allow and your, you know, your authenticity can show, like, again, I'm comfortable on camera, but if I started doing video right now, it wouldn't read as clearly as when I type something out because that's just the way that I've built my brand to communicate. Um, but this past week I wanted to try and do a series on video content and I spent an embarrassingly long amount of time filming a clip, a two minute clip. <laughs> I took maybe 79 specifically. Oh my God. Wait, videos. so but here's the thing. Did you prep for it? So when I do my videos, like I I don't prep enough. I don't put together a script. I, see, I prepped enough that way I wouldn't be like lost for words but i didn't script myself i just couldn't and nail down do what i was take. trying to say you were trying yeah. to do like i was like oh my god i'll post this later today like i got this and five hours later i hadn't eaten lunch i hadn't done anything else i'm still <laughs> in my gym clothes i didn't go for a run yet like i was a disaster and i was so upset with myself because i'm like what am i trying to do Yo, i that's, don't that's do be, that's, video that's being too much of a perfectionist and right and i had i went for a run i brought myself back and i'm like Practice what you preach. You don't like to do video. Do it the way you would normally do it. And the results were amazing. I wrote a long-ass caption. Phone on a... And you did a video? Yeah. Phone on a tripod? Uh, I have like a little setup scenario. Yeah. But I just... I did what I'm more comfortable with. And it ended up being so well-received. There we go. Of course. Everything. So it's like a reminder in, you know, the no comparison and the trust yourself kind of thing. Like if you stay with what you know and what you're good at, like that will shine through better than any trending sound will. So how'd you get here? You graduated college. You I to did. College? I did go to you college. I went college. to grad school too. You went to grad school. I did. So I graduated from Delaware. What'd you do that for? Because I was like not really ready to work yet, but... Mm-hmm. So I got my uh, master's, I'm sorry, I got my bachelor's degree in mass communications and journalism from Delaware. Um, And then I went to... Something you are using. That Yes, it is what I'm using. And when I graduated from Delaware, uh, digital marketing was like sort of just happening. Like Tumblr and Twitter were like the things, you know, do you remember that? Like that's... I made a Tumblr... uh, That's when that was big. Oh my God. What was the Tumblr I made? It was... um... I think it was like it was like t- 
Tinder stories. Oh my god! It was uh yeah it was, uh, it was like must have been like right twenty twenty three right now must have been ten plus over ten years ago. Yeah, I graduated in two thousand eleven. So probably right around then. Yeah. And I remember I was making Twitter war stories, not Twitter Tinder war. I don't know something around like 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 funny. Totally. Like funny Tinder stuff. and uh, it's, Yeah, Tinder had just launched then yeah, too. Yeah, didn't really, uh, didn't take off. Well, well didn't take off because I didn't really. And also Tumblr didn't really take off. So. No, but like Tumblr still like, I yeah. know, I think I know people who like, let me rewind. Getting good at Tumblr. It was would really then prep difficult. you yes. to then being good at next social media platform. That 100%. So I ended up having an internship post-college called at this company in Long Island, a startup called the Campus Socialite. Um, and I was the editor in chief of their national blog and their sister blog, the Campus Diva. Um, this sounds very familiar. It was based in Long Island. The Campus Socialite sounds like very familiar. Yeah. So they had writers on all different campuses around the country and they would write in about, you know, like college lifestyle and things like that. And I was a writer when I was at Delaware, and then I came on to be editor when I graduated, and I was responsible for both of the brand's voices and their Twitter presences. So I somehow sort of just when social started. It's Campus Socialite like happened. a... Uh, they hosted some events. And... It sounds like a, a poor man's version of Betches. I don't know when Betches started. Yeah. But it was a very similar concept. Yeah. So I ended up doing that. I did some like communications and marketing for a nonprofit. Um, and then I went to grad school and I got my degree in like psychology. So I did that. I studied human behavior and things like that. So these are all things that you're using these days. Exactly. So that's, I, you know, I really do pride myself on taking a very, very like consumer based approach to marketing and like making sure that you're authentic what you're trying to show is also aligned with what your ideal client is looking for. You want a tic tac? <laughs> sure, thanks. I'm not saying you have bad um, breath, I'm just saying. But, you know, so for me, it really is a marriage between I put myself in your dream client or customer's shoes. And I'm like, what would I want if I were coming to this company or to this individual? Um, and helping you build content that's authentic to you, but also like would really reach out to their consumerism and come across in a creative way. What you just said, is that all things that you've said a hundred times? Yes. Because that's real. Yeah. And for anybody who's looking to hire you, yeah. like if you said that to me, like that's the recipe. That's the way I work. And I've done that for actual businesses, corporations, humans, nonprofits, it's, which is why it can cross industry because it's about you and it's about who you're trying to reach. Right. And I guess for the business, for the human, for the nonprofit, whatever it is, um, being in their shoes, it's harder for them to have an outsider's perspective. 100%. The hardest person to market for is yourself. It really is. Like It's, it's a skill for it anyone who could actually do that. It's a skill. It is. And I uh, just talked to somebody about this recently where she was like, you're telling me to get more, you know, public and everything else. But I don't, you know, my husband is very private and et cetera, et cetera. And that to me is not a hurdle at all to me. So what are you doing with something like that? Well, you have a client because. Yeah, this was a real 
There you go. You have a client who (laughs) her business requires her to be public on social, but her her bay, yep, is not okay. Not into it. Being out there. Nope. Um, and she is a remote worker, so she doesn't really need her people to know where she lives or anything like that. And she wants a level of privacy up for her life. Um, and the pivot there, I mean, I would never tell you to share your whole life anyway. No one cares. And also, if you're doing this for a goal, once again, there are going to be things that make sense and things that don't make sense. So my concept really is always to pick like three to four like overarching categories that you're comfortable with making your public categories, whether they are you like to read. So it's your books and your lifestyle of reading choices, whether it's your morning routines and coffee walks, et cetera, et cetera. Plus work, obviously, that's a big one. And then maybe one more thing. Um, the, what you're saying right now, whoever's listening, just rewind and listen listen to this because this is real and not just with in a relation not when you're not just if you're in a relationship no, it has and your to other do with person relationship, really. doesn't want to be in it um with curating keyword curating mm-hmm. for social media it's exactly that it's curated yeah. content it is you're curating your public persona and sometimes it does take an outside pair of eyes to be like okay if your business is business coaching you don't actually need to show what your kid did after daycare like that has nothing to do with your business coaching but maybe showcasing again your morning routines and how you start your day and the types of entertainment yeah, and if you, and if you, you have the kid consume. maybe that you just dropped your kid off at right. school exactly and now you just grab the coffee and, and right. here's your to-do list that right. you know you're you have your to-do list you're ready to knock out of the park right like maybe you don't show all your shopping trips but you show like when you bought new like planners or office clothes or things that are going to make you feel more confident or you know things that are still public and personal but they make sense to the brand you're trying to build for your business so and that people could relate to exactly yeah and i think another thing i think another thing that other people other people that a lot of people have trouble understanding is that you could shoot as much content as you want don't do it in a ridiculous amount but you could shoot videos and post them in the future. Yeah, 100%. you could drop your kid off from school, drop your kid off at school, go grab a coffee, talk about how you're feeling that day, your coffee, how you're excited to get this jolt of energy because you have a to to do list up the wazoo. Mm-hmm. You might have shot that on Thursday. You post it on Monday. It's curated. Nobody knows. Right. I mean, the amount of times that I've shot, hey, I'm in I'm in the West Village, <laughs> uh, about to check out this apartment. Right. Let me know what you think. I post it and then I get a call from Wanna grab coffee. Right. I get a call from a homie who lives <laughs> right over there. You got me on that one a couple of times. Yo, you're in my neighborhood. <laughs> like, dude, you don't call me when you're in my neighborhood? They're like, oh, that video is from Saturday. Um, yeah. No, I'm just, I'm literally home all day doing nothing today. So I'm putting this out there. And honestly, that's the beauty of having a content plan. So that's honestly my biggest selling package right now is just monthly content plans. Um, because once people are rooted in that strategy and they understand their like public persona, et cetera, they kind of don't need handholding there. Yeah. Um, but for content plans, I will literally take the calendar. I will pick your categories. I will ask you a ton of questions and I will lay out for you when you should be posting what and like what sort so of cadence. Explain so, to me soup to nuts. You just started yeah. explaining, but if you're pitching a new client, mm-hmm. And you really want to get down to the nitty gritty and you want to walk out of this room with them saying, take my credit card info. How do you explain that? Because you're saying that's your most used service. 
How can you explain it to somebody that you think really needs it, that you want to take their money, not take their money, you want to have them hire you on the spot? And take their money. And take their money. Uh, it's basically... Well, first, let's, how much does this service cost? It depends. It ranges, it starts at $800 and it goes up to 1500 Okay. It's, I thought you were going to say nope. more than that. No, nope, because I'm not doing the content creation and I need you to save your budget for someone who can help you with that. Like Christian. Correct. Yeah. So, I Christian mean, to be fair. video and marketing. Yes, he does. And he does a great job. Um, to be fair, there is a three-month commitment because I'm prepping. And fair it enough. takes a good amount of time. Um, but, and the price goes up depending on how many posts per week we're planning out. Um and how many platforms we're planning it out for. Yeah, but so, also, so someone could essentially go the $800 route mm -hmm. and seeing that, you know, you're putting together... That's three posts per week. Three posts per week. But going with the three posts that you're putting, if the three posts that you're putting per week and kind of add another one or two of their own based on the theme that you're going with. Yep. Then and let's say you have strategy. a... You have a, a 30 hour gap. Do you even put when you should post? Yeah, I do. Down to like the minute. So you have a 30 hour gap between the posts. Maybe they throw in a next post 30 hours later. Mm -hmm. Yada, yada, yada. Figure 100%. out. 100%. Figure out. And you would probably be down to have that conversation. Totally. About cracking your internal algorithm as to why you did this. Yeah, I do not gatekeep. I do not. My goal is not to just charge people for like no reason. Like, to me, my job is training wheels for you. Like I am getting you to be better at social for yourself. Like three months is a great amount of time. Six months seems to be the commitment people are comfortable with before they're then like, I get it. I see what she's doing here. Like, But you don't want training you know? wheels to the point where you take them off. Now they're riding by themselves. You no. want training wheels to the point where now you guys are riding together. Exactly. And it's just, it's really nice. And then um, to circle back though, what I really do tell people that this is like, take your content creation process, divide it in half. I make the ideas, you just execute it. Take your content creating process, divide it in half. I'm going to do the content planning, you do the creating. Yeah. Full, right. So it's uh, with doing that, it's not as though you come and then they go and then you're done. It's you come, they go, and then you come back. Correct. Because I'm going to plan it for you, tell you what to shoot. You shoot it. Now you come back to the plan mm -hmm. so you know how to execute. execute. Yeah, so you Dope. spend half the amount of time building your content. I teach you how to schedule it out so it's automatically ready to go at the optimized times. Um, and then really all you need to do is show up for community management. Let's do a mock pitch. Ready? Okay. Jess, got your <laughs> I got your number from Jim. Um, I have a green tea company that we're really looking to get off the ground. Okay. Um. I have, I, I'm pretty good with social media myself, but I want to help integrate myself as growing the brand while growing the brand as well. Excellent. You know who just did this? Who did this? Well, he didn't just do this, but you know who was just featured on like Entrepreneur and Fast Company and everything? Is this real or is it yeah, my Yeah, this is real. Oh, this is real. This is real based uh, off of this. Who? who? Uh, the guy who started Sriracha. Sriracha? Yeah. His, I mean... Not no longer him, but the story of how he started it and everything just came out to light. So that was go on. Cool. Wait, how did he start it? He was uh, oh my god. Now I don't want to like really quote it and get it wrong, but basically like he was Vietnam, and 
I think his pepper, something happened with his pepper, so he turned them into hot sauce and it was a hit. And then he had to come over here because of the Vietnamese war and, uh, you don't have to record this. <laughs> um, and, um, he was it like mixing company. like ketchup and hot sauce like i don't remember all the details but i remember he restarted the company here and the logo of it actually is from the emblem of the ship that took him from vietnam to america oh. that's the part that stuck with me was the logo for those who know me well <laughs> i'm a big sriracha guy and i love love backstory stuff so the logo of course is what stuck yeah. with me more than any of like the i've gotten stories, like secret so. santa I've had homies get me like a sriracha keychain, sriracha cookbook. Oh. Although I'm a yeah. big fan of the the green sriracha now. I like that one too. Yeah. Um, but okay, so to pitch you on this, I would really just... Uh... Wait, so let's just uh, circle back. So it's um, I'm starting a green tea company um, and I want to start a social media for it. But also for myself, I want my personal... Instagram and social media altogether to emulate that I am starting. I've started this company and we are the best and we're going to grow. Okay, great. So do you have a business model in place? Um, we source our matcha. We source matcha from Japan and the island of Japan of which we get our matcha is what makes our green tea so unique. And the plan is to uh, use that as a catalyst to get into special specialty markets. Okay, I was always just going to ask you what your goals were. So specialty markets. Yeah. This might be end up being a great idea. Just like <laughs> <laughs> so basically, my application form is going to ask you a ton of questions. It's going to ask you about your business model. It's going to ask you what about working with me and my vibe and everything is making you fill out this form in the first place. Um, it's going to ask you about your current marketing efforts and what you feel is working and what isn't um, and why you're ready for a pivot, things like that. It's going to ask what you think a sign of success would be and where you want your channels to be within the next three to six months. Um, based on all of that, I'll ask for the handles. I'll take a look myself. Um, and then I'll hop on a call with you and we'll go through everything that you did. But first I will, you know, when somebody fills out that form, the first thing that I do is I follow their account and I watch them <laughs> like a creep. I just watch their content. I, I know what they're talking about because they told me, but I spend the time between their application being reviewed and their scheduled discovery call, making my own analysis about what I think is going on with the brand. And you take notes. And I take notes. That way when the call happens, I am, you know, prepared not only from what you told me you're looking to do, but from what I've actually seen happening in real time. Step one, what you told me. Step two, watch it in real time. Step three, here's how we're going to remedy your problems. Exactly. Dope. And do you talk about uh, previous attempts at growing social? For myself? No, for the client. Oh yeah, for sure. We talk about pain points. We talk about what they're, in my opinion, most of the time it's a resistance. You know, what has resisted you from growing and like, was it a comfort level? Was it an execution issue? Was it um, the resistance of creating? Um, 
did you have ideas and didn't know how to follow through with them? Did you not have ideas, but felt you had to show up? Like, where really was that? Hold up. I love it. Soul. A big thing is people feel like they need to do what's trending. And that's, that ain't it. (laughs) But a lot of the times people do need to do what's trending. A lot of times they do and a lot of times yeah. they don't. So you can do what's trending, but still aligned with your brand values. If the millennial broker started dancing. Yeah. That would that be, would that be, would be cringy. Very uncomfortable and very inauthentic. Yeah. If 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 the millennial broker started dancing, that would be cringy. It wouldn't but, work. But if the millennial broker took that trending sound and mm. made a home tour to it. Right that works what if like christian what if christian or drew he's 25 some of the millennial broker teammates what if they started dancing do they have their own brands yet where it's established whether or not they dance i don't know christian do you have an established brand where you dance no he doesn't so it would be when we're building the brand for christian as part of the millennial brokers team what are going to be his characteristics Got it. How important is it for someone to stay within their characteristics while putting things out into social media? It's pretty important. It's also like a fun space to try new things, though. So there's no there's no like hard or fast answer to that. I don't want you to get so boxed in that you don't feel comfortable trying something new. The beauty about social media is that like people see it and they move on. So The best thing I can say to do really is to do enough consistency that when you're popping up on people's explore pages, or if it's on TikTok on the For You page, there's enough consistency in the way you're producing content that you're building brand recognition within the audience. If you're doing something different and trying something new every single time you post, the retention is not going to start to build within the audience and you're like starting from scratch with every single post. And that's why so with me, I've I'll I'll test things out mm-hmm. in the story. Yes, exactly. I Stories will, are a beautiful way to try to Right, because either well, one, A, you could delete it right away. With anything, you mm-hmm. can delete it right away. Two, it's there for twenty four hours. That's and it. So many people are so anal about what they put out there. They're like, yo, if you put it on your story, it's gone it's gone. I you if as if you think anybody is remembering what you had on your story yesterday. No. You're crazy. It's it's it's, it's the not. same thing like when you say something to someone and you walk away from the conversation, you're like, What did oh I just god, say? I can't, I can't believe I just said that. Oh my god. Then you get home, you're going to bed, you're like, Oh my god, he's probably he probably thinks I'm crazy because I said that. Totally. Meanwhile, that they other forgot. person forgot about it they ten forgot. minutes later. So we also have to remember that stories were created when Instagram was highly curated and viewed as like an unattainable vision board sort of app. Um, and stories were created to bring that realistic viewing experience back into content. They were created to show More personal in the moment. It used to be, I don't even, I honestly think you couldn't even really like post from your camera roll at first. I think it was just like native to the app. Right. And, like, so when I was posting a story, oh, I remember posting like, check out this listing. I'd have to like take a video, mm-hmm. post it next video, post it. Yes. And it was like, so I don't they've know, 10, 15 seconds at a clip. A lot you know, even the most recent evolution has been now they're one minute long as of this summer. Mm-hmm. So they've evolved a like. lot. I do too. I hated when they would break up, especially if you're trying to save them to highlights. Um, but the whole point of stories was to bring authenticity and real time rawness. Well, just back. to stop you right there. And we want to just uh, 
one to a hundred, how important are highlights? Mm, I think highlights are about a ninety. Whoa! Yeah. To have them or to use them? To have them. Okay, have them. Have them. Throw some stuff in there and then leave it forever. Just to have something pretty that kind of not necessarily pretty. So to me, your Instagram profile is your virtual storefront. Yep. Okay. So like you want somebody to find your post in their feed and click on it, aka walk through the doors into your store. Your highlights are a great example. They're real they're top line real it's estate. It's your merchandising. It's literally your it's top line like real estate. It's like a retail estate. store. It's your merchandising. It's it the way that you... that mannequin was dressed in the yes. front window that and it your, tells that, that's you, your highlights. As a consumer, it tells you immediately what is important to the brand itself. If you are the millennial broker with real estate and all of your highlights are about coffee or something, like that makes absolutely no sense. They'd be like, okay, hmm, you can have a coffee highlight, but like you're, you're, this is your valuable real estate right up front before you're giving people a chance to scroll. So like what are the most important things you want your consumer to know about the brand? <laughs> yeah. And that matter to you. Okay. So they're pretty important. <laughs> they are important. 90, 90s big. I just think it's because they're I located it, but at the I don't top. Like, if I don't they were located on the bottom or something, they would yeah. be way less valuable. But they right. are, you open your phone, you click on a profile, they're the first okay. thing you see. So to piggyback on this, what is important to have is your pinned pictures. Yeah, your pin pictures are super important too. So anything that's on that top of the feed before the scroll, think of it as like, you know, above the fold newspaper content. You know, you want it to be above the fold. You want to catch people when they pick up that newspaper, right? Like above back in the, the fold. day. Is that a concept? It is. A, yeah. So that's, I guess, for my journalism days. Yeah. So when newspapers con are put. A concept. Is that a term? Uh -huh. Yeah. So when newspapers are put in the thing that you pick the newspapers yeah. out of. The headlines. They're folded in half. And, you know, it says like the New York Times and then there's that first article. So when you pick it up, you see New York Times and you see that first article. Getting your byline above the fold is a goal of all journalist, journalism students. Like it is the first article under the title of the newspaper. It's before the fold covers the rest of it and before you have to open and read it. So it is your headline. It is your attention grabber. It's your biggest news of the day. So what should a, so, what should a person... First question, what should a person have as their pinned pictures, pinned posts? What should a brand have as pinned posts? I love for a person to have who I am, what I do, and how I help. So if you're a person, you say, this is a little bit about me, this is a little bit about what I do, and this is how I help. So it's an introduction to you as a human being, it's an introduction to you as a professional, and then it's how can I help you? So that's like sort of your conversion right there. And for a brand? For a brand, I would say product or service. Uh, service. Service. I would say, again, who we are and what we do and how to work with us. Product. Where to shop, <laughs> what we sell. Where to shop. So where you can find our product. Yeah. Um, and about us. Okay. Love that. If you're somebody who is getting featured in lots of press or anything like mm. that, you can always use that like one of those pinned posts as a way to, you know, keep that on top line of like, this is my most recent 
uh, piece of press, but you might not be somebody who's posting that as a feed, you know, story anyway. So, all right. I think my, my pin posts right now are one, uh, dude with a sign. That was a good one though. That was fucking awesome. That was a good one. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. Dude with a sign mm-hmm. the day after my son was born. Yeah. Holding up a cardboard sign at the Yankee game. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, but see, to me, that's that a works flex. for you. It, it is a flex, but it's also <laughs> like you are a New York-based brand, a, a personal New York-based brand, and you are working with people in the millennial demographic. Who everybody, who I mean, everybody I bet everybody listening to this knows who, who, do who, who the sign is. And showing it at Yankee Stadium, showing all those pieces, it actually gives you value and credibility in your like New York sort of street cred (laughs) you know and should just it really i think to me that like it really signifies like this is new york this is millennial this makes sense i love that and uh the next two are uh the the carriage house video Mm -hmm. which still to this day not on not on my feed but drone hub which is like the highest end of uh real estate video i don't know if those, i don't even know if they do photography but uh high-end real estate video they're number one in the country um gabe to me is number one but they are <laughs> gabe's they, number one <laughs> gabe's number one in my heart uh they're number one and their tiktoks get hundreds of thousands to millions of views and my carriage house video is still there almost a year later the most views of any of their tiktoks Honestly, that's an incredible video, but also, again, that speaks to the types of listings that you are capable of handling. Touche. And what people can expect from working with you. You are not you're not a regular realtor. You're a cool realtor. Right. So, <laughs> so we're gonna, I'm not just going to yeah. sell your $10 million home. No. You're we're going to get it out there. I mean, yeah. the... You're going to find the best possible opportunity the, for the, the home. The buyer from that home came because they saw the video this video on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Literally, I'm showing the listing, and I, you know, the mother asked me so about a car fitting into the garage, and she's like, "Yeah, oh, this was the one that you said we had to see because of the TikTok video." And think about it. I My mean, fucking heart melted. That's the coolest thing. And also, you know this. I don't have to tell you this. It's your brand, but like, the millennial generation is now the one that is investing and buying and moving and upgrading from their shared space with three roommates and ikea furniture and so like where are they spending their time they're not looking you know in the newspaper or even really i mean maybe they're on zillow but they're not really looking no as much they're scrolling so why would you not hit them where they scroll hit them where they scroll yeah i like that now that i think about it that's why marketing sponsored posts on social probably are that important for any company totally especially real estate no matter the listing no matter the brand i'm now i'm going to focus on real estate as a topic here yeah as a brand the importance for you know media-based marketing 100 percent. and the the only you know caveat here to me would be really identifying that target consumer and making sure that you're spending the money on the apps that they're spending their time spend the money on the apps where they're spending their time right like if so, you're about to put like i don't even know a uh, hundred dollars yeah. that's not even enough but if you were about to put like a hundred dollars behind an ad on instagram but your population is more 
you know, maybe on LinkedIn or something, you know. They do sponsored posts on LinkedIn? Yep. They all do now at this point. So huh. you might then want to go there if you're, if there's somebody who, like, Facebook doesn't make sense, but you can do Instagram. Mm -hmm. So it's, TikTok would be cool. Like, huh. Yeah. So, you know, from that consumer standpoint and also then from the client standpoint, I work with them on that too. Like, I'm not going to put you on TikTok if your audience isn't a video consuming audience. Right. Like, then we'll go harder on Instagram. So now let's say with real estate brokers, is it really a matter of who the person is, who the, the neighborhood of which they work or who their clients are? I think all three matter. Like the neighborhood definitely matters, mm -hmm. right? Because an area like this is definitely more populated. There's a lot more people on their phones. There's a lot more people and buildings in general. There's a lot more to be done. Um, it would be very, very foolish not to be on social media knowing that like New York City is like insanely populated with the millennial demographic who is constantly moving and upgrading and changing and and doing all of the things um so that's you know your audience and your demographic i mean yeah your demographic and your location if you were in maybe more of a suburban area trying to sell like major houses let's say like bedford um you're probably reaching a more private higher net worth clientele that you might not need the flashy videos or you might not need the Instagram ads. You might instead need the videos and then reaching out to them on a one-to-one -one basis. Yeah. So like, like when I, I mean, Martha Stewart is very popular on Instagram, but I don't know that like her neighbor Richard Gere is, you know? But like so. the thing is, I think, I think, and this is only based on direct experience, sold a house in New Rochelle. Mm-hmm. I love the team that we that I worked with in that market, but they they weren't advanced when it came to video. And when I did a when I did a you know one of my lifestyle videos of the house, they were blown away. Like you have a team of twenty plus people, you should be doing videos like oh people in this people don't do that here. You mean they don't fucking do that here? They I don't think do there that should be here. video for everything. What the like, fuck do you mean? Every you know, single listener right, should like have their, a video. Right, but their version of a video, video yeah. was like your cockamamie like apartment tour. Yeah, no. Just it like, needs every location at this point. Some of them do a, a apartment tour, just a slideshow with music behind it. No. Like at this point, everyone, in my opinion, should have a lifestyle video component. Yep. I think Airbnb is missing out on that component, component too. I think any sort of... Anytime you're trying to sell an experience for something, the more you can allow people to immerse themselves into that experience prior to signing a contract or even considering it, the better off you're going to get to get them like closer down the funnel. This uh, videographer had DM'd me that he wanted to work on a project. His name's Sai, which first I was really cool because Sai, <laughs> my son's name, but spelled differently. Um, he had a concept for a video. First I did, I, I sent his page to Gabe. I was like, well, first I sent him to Gabe. I said, talk to my creative director. Was this the... The video for the house. Yeah. Just fucking awesome. Horizontal video. This is literally exactly what you're saying. Yes. Help people immerse themselves beforehand. And his concept was he wanted to show 
empty occupied empty occupied throughout the house the video is fantastic it's a great video um and i think that he could there's something behind this it's what's not it's not uh if he only i think he rented the equipment whatever it was if it was not too expensive to shoot and he could do it by in scale that would be awesome well let's think about this right like sticking with this whole example like apartment and house stagers have been around for what forever as long as i can remember they make right so their entire job is the non-digital version of this they are for open houses and for the photo listings to allow the potential buyers to see what the house can look like furnished and beautiful and like filled with stuff and i wish we had this conversation a while ago because this is so smart that's what it is though that's what the stagers pitching when pitching doing certain type of video like what side did yeah. That's that's real. Stagers have been around for decades. Right. So their entire job is to allow the potential buyers to see what it could look like if this house was inhabited. So now you're doing that in the modern way of 2023 by doing it through video. And you're reaching the people who aren't at the open house and maybe like live in Chicago and are trying to relocate. It's not always going to be long distance, but kind of like... You know, and right now also YouTube is still gigantic. So you have a realtor, maybe they're not, maybe they are more suburban and everything. You invest in making these videos, pop them on a YouTube channel. And then when you're working directly with potential buyers, you can send them the link to that. It's a little bit more private. It's a little bit more one-to-one, but you have a place where it still showcases all of your work. Right. And it's not necessarily making the YouTubes in order to grow the YouTube channel. It's no, just it's so it's somewhere home. that these videos can live to then mm-hmm. push them out. The same way that if someone is going to see this now furnished, staged home, mm-hmm. they got to go to the listing. They got to have the listing sent to them. Right. Same thing with the video, but now the video is more interactive. Totally. As opposed to just a picture, they could actually see themselves in there. Absolutely. Um, do you recall the lifestyle? I made those. Now that I'm thinking about it, I made those. There was, I'll show it to you when we get off. There was the two, the lifestyle videos that I made to show, hey, this is what this listing would look like for you. One was like a young couple that then had their friends came over and they did the karaoke. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And then I did another one. So you like, you're doing all the pieces. I don't think you just realized that you're doing them on like an operational plan. (laughs) I just like to do like creative cool shit. Right. And you're just But you also work with high level creative people. You just helped me uh, come up with the pitch. Yeah. But you do. You have a really good, talented, high level creative team. So, you know. Well, you got to vet people out. So, was there a time during the business? I mean, obviously, there's ups and downs. When was uh, when was your your fuck this? I gotta go do something else. Moment. <laughs> it's happened a couple of times. The first time it happened, I was scared to take action. It was a couple of years ago. Um, I was really, really scared if I did the pivot that I wanted to pivot in, I would, I don't know, not be able to like afford my lifestyle or just have to close my business down like I was just really scared of the ramifications of it um so I sucked it up I stayed through it and at this point what I was doing was social media management so 
I was also not only strategizing all of the accounts, but I was creating all of the content, re like responsible for community management, analytics, like optimization 24 seven. And I had about at one point about 10 accounts under my belt. So it was so stressful and it was- Sounds very draining. It was, I mean, it was really, really hard. And I was very grateful for the work. I was really grateful for the opportunities, but it just wasn't filling my bucket in the sense where I'm like, I started my own company in order to like live a life of freedom and happiness and out of a passion for something I love to do. And it <laughs> was not going like that. So, but I was scared to change it. Um, then this past summer, I was still doing all of that. And I finally was like, you know what? My expertise is strong enough. This is like we talked about earlier. Social media is now an industry. It is not a job. And I am picking the role that I want within my industry and saying goodbye to everything else. And I'm so grateful I did that. <laughs> That's what's up. So what is that? What you just said right there brings you now to February 2023. Yep. Where do you see yourself come end of summer, August 2023? I'm hoping by end of summer, by August, I'll have uh, an apprentice or somebody under me that I can help apprentice. teach. Yeah. Is that the the word that left our vocabulary, was replaced with intern, now intern to bad words, so now apprentice is back? Well, I like the word intern, but I don't want someone who is on like the college schedule and might have to like leave me or anything. I'd like to really train somebody in my... And interns are all college kids? I don't know. I My interns have always been college kids. Okay. Um. So I think I would rather have somebody who's ready to enter the workforce, yeah. have like a learn a skill, learn, learn a methodology in a very saturated market that's a little bit different than the way other people are operating and have them, you know, take over some of the more straightforward content plans. That way I can focus on the high level strategy. Straightforward content plans. Now, does that mean that? That would be the more recurring clients. So it would be like maybe I built your first like three to six and then they can take over the maintenance of them and keeping them up. Got and it. But yeah. they're, this client is still working directly with you. Totally. They don't know that. No, I would still be managing their their strategy. Got it. And you're vetting everything that 100%. your apprentice is doing, of course. Yeah. Probably working with them on it. Yeah. Just you're kind of hands-off. I would like to be a little bit more hands-off. Um, and I also see incorporating maybe some, you know, live workshops and things like that that are a little bit more like one-to-many versus just me one-on-one -on -one with a ton of people all day. That's cool. Yeah, I think that'd be really fun. That's cool. I feel like also in um, in like the, the world of women empowerment, mm -hmm. there's probably others because, you know, there's not, there's not many like male empowerment groups mm -mm. where they get together and kind of promote is exactly that male empowerment because that has yeah. a that's that's just that's a negative right it, it's nah. weird to me that it's a negative but i don't think it should be and i'm actually not one of those female entrepreneur business owners that only wants to work with females like i have a very 50 50 split between my client base and i'm you know i'm working with a branding agency now who's like working on my new brand package and it is actually leaning more masculine than feminine Dope. but um I have a very feminine personality, but Masculine I, based on the aesthetics of it. Got it's it. just a little bit more like it's taking out a lot of the blush tones and everything else and just sort of really making it stand more in its power versus in me, um, which is really, really cool. I'm very excited. It's not going to be done until July. So sounds powerful. Stay though. tuned. Um, but aside from that, I feel 
not enough people are even talking about the fact that like in 2023 now a lot of layoffs are happening and a lot of jobs are being applied for and your social media presence as a personal brand can be such an asset to your resume yeah um so really investing in building a personal brand and getting that strategy getting those that content going uh, even if you're, say, like a financial advisor, just having a separate account that's just your expertise in finance. Like, my I want yeah. every single human being to want to have a personal brand. Like, that is something that I think speaks volumes for them. It could be an asset. It could be a portfolio, all of these things. So that's when my mind goes to, like, workshops and having, you know, group sessions and strategic, you know, masterminds and everything. That way people can feel empowered to represent themselves in the digital space feel empowered to represent themselves in the digital space mm -hmm. how do you suggest for someone to feel empowered when they feel defeated they have to become empowered when you feel defeated yeah i mean i think step one for that is really getting like real with yourself and reconnecting to you know like whether it's gratitude or nature and all the things that people talk about now that sound sort of like cliche cliche but they really do make such a difference even getting like one breath of fresh air in the morning or you know taking that time before doing anything else i really really recommend not using any sort of sounds or social media or anything when you first wake up mm -hmm. i think it's important to spend some time alone with yourself and decide who you want to be during the day before you get bombarded with requests or what other people are doing or, you know, whatever. I think you should find out who you are first and then approach mark, uh, like social media work, et cetera, from that perspective. Um, and really just like set a goal and break it down into action steps. Like a goal for the day? A goal for, to get yourself back to being empowered. So like, what does empowered mean to you? Is it having a better job? Is it, showing up more like why what what would make you feel empowered figuring that out some people feel it's a relationship yeah but everybody needs some sort of catalyst yeah like a good book love a which good book. leads me to my next question <laughs> um other than green lice which best book out there jess and i both recommend to people on the regular literally what's another book that you would recommend to anybody let me rewind. What's the good book you'd recommend to anybody who wants to feel empowered and try and uh, really get out of their own way? Okay, let me think about that for a second. Weirdly, aside from green, <laughs> green Lights, most of the books that I read are, this isn't the weird part, but most of the books that I read are fiction that I that make me feel empowered. They, they're escapism. They bring you back. It's just fun. Um, but what... I love our books about money and financial health. And I think that when you have control of your situation and you can see a future and that that is actually very empowering. So books that have helped me get there are I Will Teach You To Be Rich and uh, Profit First Method. Those are both a little bit more targeted to business owners, I yeah, think. But my brother uh, amazing books. suggested Profit First to me. And yeah, I run my business with it. And I just it's really empowering to know what your finances can do for you and what they can do for your future and see where those holes are and where maybe you should up a price or get a side hustle or you know whatever it may be in your personal situation um, to make those numbers where you want them to go. Smart. And give me 
one word of advice for anybody trying to make it in New York City? Can it be two words? Two words, fine. Do you. Be dope. Yeah. <laughs> Jess, thank you. Jess Sorrentino, marketing guru, entrepreneur, and um, it's, it's February 2023, and I'm excited to have you back here in about September okay. to see where you're at. Let's do it. Thank you so much. This was great. This was fun.